Hey everyone, thank you for joining episode 31 of The Green Life. Today's episode is going to be all about dietary guidelines. This is an episode you guys requested, so thank you for that. And as a guest to discuss this, I have Dr. Henry Ely, or Dr. H, who will be sharing so much goodness about this. He's very experienced, over 25 years in naturopathic medicine. He's a researcher at heart, as well as the founder and community director of the Energetic Health Institute and the driving force behind COVID COVID con, which basically brought a lawsuit against government for fraud. So it's really, really cool to see a man that is so involved in health and really cares. He's also one of my mentors and I'm very, very excited to have him here. I keep on inviting him and he keeps on saying yes. So you can check him out in episode six and 18 as well, where we discuss the future healthcare in the first one and water in the second one. And they are brilliant. Today, we're going to share some golden nuggets about nutrition and health, and this is part one. Next week, you'll see part two. And without further ado, let's dive into this. Welcome, Dr. Ely. Hello, Dr. H. Thank you for being back on the show. How are you today? (laughs) Oh my goodness, Chantal, I am so good. Thanks for having me back. It's so much fun to be here with you all the time. It's like, we finally, I'm so tired of talking about COVID. So you always give me this opportunity to actually talk about health. And it's like, oh, yeah, that thing we should be talking about the whole time. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, no, you're welcome. And I love how you share things and connect dots. So that's great. Although maybe COVID will come up again today. I don't know. But (laughs) (laughs) and uh, well, mostly because we are going to talk about dietary guidelines and the way that they can kind of mislead people. And my thoughts around this, having you on the show, is that we can actually dissect a little bit where they go wrong and um, have your holistic approach to it so that people understand that we're not, you know, cookie cutter, uh, like humans. We are so unique that our approach to nutrition needs to be unique as well. And instead, uh, what I've been looking at is dietary guidelines in Europe and the U.S. The U.S. had their new ones coming out in 2020, I mean, they were a little bit late, but 2020 to 2025, and it's five years. And although they had a lot of speakers actually um, talking to the USDA about what wasn't right with the the past um, dietary guidelines, they mm-hmm. seemed to just change the wording of few things and then uh, <laughs> kept exactly the same things going. For example, I, you know, we had a Dr. Milton Mills that was talking about how dairy is really a racist food because most okay. African American I don't want to call it African Americans, most people most of color, black folk. Yes. Yeah, most black folks. Because yeah. not everybody comes from Africa, you'll know. And, you know, uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They were actually native. And um, that's another subject for another day. And um, he was saying that's a racist food because you know we are intolerant to it. And uh, and it's true. And instead of how it, they didn't change that, of course, instead of like they rewarded like you can totally use soy. It's like equal to, and then other things, you know, like um, the misconception of oil, like fats, for example, they talked about oil and then in that category, they also put fish and now people mm-hmm. are really going to be confused about fish sure. being oil. What, what's sure. going on. So I think that's really confusing. I looked up in Europe and it's fascinating how the European Union has, has a page where you can look at every country's guidelines and I'll put in the show notes as well but how certain countries are much more advanced. Like they talk about the, the, play, mm-hmm. the, the dietary guidelines needing to tell people to eat more plant-based. 
and mm-hmm. then you know be wise about consumption. But I've noticed one one common thread between Europe and the US is that mm-hmm. when they mention a micronutrient that people need to be attentive to, they right. never really classify what that is. So if people are not educated on nutrition, <laughs> they're like you know, a carb is a carb is a carb, a fat is a fat is a fat, and, and they right. all get confused. So I would right. love you to kind of go into that and um, how are we going to clarify these things for people? You know, uh, I, I think with it, you, when you're talking, it brings me right back to something that, that my, my dear friend Kevin Jenkins says all the time, which is it's maximum sophisticated confusion, mm-hmm. right? We, we want people to not understand their bodies and how to take care of them. We want people to not understand the role that nutrition plays in this and what nutrition really is. So I, I definitely would love to share um, as we move through this uh, teaching concept we have at the Energetic Health Institute called um, uh, Sweet 16, the, the Sweet 16 Principles for Eating Healthy. Like that's because doctors, we all get the same thing. A patient comes in, they're not feeling well, and they're like, but I can't figure it out. I eat healthy. Well, yeah, if you're following the maximum sophisticated confusion of pyramids and a set number of calories and a cookie cutter, one size fits all. Yeah, if you're following that or even loosely following it, maybe throwing in a little bit of fast food, a little bit of a, you know, a diet for disease, I'm going to start calling it that. It's not a sad diet. It's a diet for disease. If you're, If that's what you're doing, then the only outcome is going to be you're in front of a doctor. And if that doctor has on average 19.6 hours of nutrition education, they're not going to be able to educate you Mm. on what you need to do uh, to kind of turn that process around. Because there's really four key principles, Chantal. I was thinking about this this morning. You know, I'm, I'm doing a sauna this morning and I'm feeling so good. I got my wonderful little herbal tea here so I can have something with no sweeteners. I'm not going to have any calories. I'm going to do my intermittent fasting and get my 16 plus hours in, you know, and it got me thinking like, how do we simplify this for an audience? Cause we, how do we get people from this state of maximum sophisticated confusion to sophisticated simplicity, mm. right? Cause that's something we can do as well. Right. And I, I think the way to get people there is through simple concepts, things that just make sense. Right. So the first thing we go through is there's four things you have to do with your body every day. And this will lead us into the calorie uh, discussion. Mm. There's four things you really have to do with your body every day. Let's keep it simple. Keep it, keep it just super simple. Number one, you have to purify every day. All right. And I'm going to let you all into my life a little bit here. My day begins taking a poop. Okay. I wake up and I'm like, all right, straight to the toilet. Let's go and get it out. You got to purify, get that waste out of your body. Okay. That's first thing. If you add on to that with maybe a sauna or some type of, you know, sweating. Now what you're doing is you're opening up your four elimination channels. And this is how, you know, you can purify when you poop, sweat, urinate, and exhale, you are, that is your body getting rid of waste. Now, to a lesser extent, the body will get rid of waste as the cells of the epidermis internally and externally slough off. As your hair grows and then you cut your hair, some of that is waste in there. Fingernails, same thing. But the predominant way that your body gets rid of waste on a daily basis is pooping, is sweating, is peeing, and exhaling. It's really, really simple, right? So the first mm-hmm. thing we have to do is purify. So if we're looking at that, we go, okay, well, what do I need to do to start my day? Well, pooping, 
right? I, I actually, Chantel, when I first got into natural medicine, I had to train myself on how to poop in the morning because it was so, I had never really paid attention to it. Like most people don't. It was just mm -hmm. this abstract kind of like, yeah, whenever it happens, it kind of happens. I had to wake up every morning. It took me a couple of weeks of doing this, but I had to wake up every morning and teach my body that this was the time to have our first bowel movement of the day. Right. Yeah. So that's number one. So I would just wake up and I would go get my little squatty potty and I would sit on that and have my knees propped up. So my, my body's in this. So for those of you that don't know, a squatty potty is something that elevates your knees when you're sitting on a toilet to put you in the correct anatomical position. So you can completely evacuate your bowels. Okay. So that's a medical, I guess, way of saying it, but it actually feels better. It helps you poop easier. So get those knees above your hips. So I go and I poop in the morning course urinate right but i also love to start the day with a breathing session you know with a simple little meditation i this is what i teach my stu my students what i teach my son is you know get your head and your heart aligned before you start pinballing around in the world you know what are you bringing into the world well if you're all you're bringing to the world is oh my god i'm late for school i oh my god i'm late for work you know then that's what you're going to be giving as a gift that doesn't sound like a great gift to me and then the last one is um, is is really, you know, sweating. And that's the thing that we do the least of, but the best time of the day to get your sweat on, whether it's yoga practice, whether it's cardiovascular work, biking or running or whatever, sweating in a sauna, that's the best time before you eat any food. I like to get my workout in before I put any calories into my body. I like to make sure I burned off everything from the day before. So these are simple concepts, right? For people, it's like, yeah, okay, I get it. Now I might not do it, but at least... I can understand it. And what it does is it takes us into a really interesting conversation about calories. Because one of the things that I've been saying to people for a couple decades now is you have to agree, if you really want to be healthy, you have to agree to stop eating yourself to death. Mm -hmm. Right? And that the, the easiest place to begin with that is caloric consumption. We are absurdly told that you need as an adult, I'm speaking of adults too, I'm not talking about growing children. I'm not talking about mamas growing a baby inside of them or nursing a baby that just was born, right? Those are special situations where you need more calories. But I'm just talking about most of us adults out there. Mm -hmm. you're, north of, you're north of 25. You're a super duper adult. Officially, your body is not growing anymore. Uh, so your requirements change. And when we, look at, when we look at that, it goes, okay, why are we recommending three meals a day for adults that especially adults that are predominantly sedentary. Now it's not like we're out trying to hunt for our food all day and burning massive amounts of calories, trying to find calories. It's not like we're burning massive amount of calories, growing our food, we're toiling in the hot sun and things like that. Most of us are in air conditioning, sitting at a desk, driving to and from work, right? We're just not hugely calorically active. So why do we need three meals a day. And especially when you start understanding that when you take those three meals and eat them continuously over the day and do a little bit of grazing, you know, I, I had this revelation. I was driving through Utah a couple of weeks ago and I'm like seeing this great, beautiful country and I'm driving through and I'm looking over and I'm like, I've always wondered why cows are fat. You know, how does a cow put on weight? You know, they don't, you know, I'm, t and these, I'm talking about free range. I'm not talking about the GMO cows and the ones that they're just shoving empty calories into on a diet that they're not designed to really handle. I'm talking about a cow that's out in the pasture and grazing. How did it's eating grass? How does that 
get fat, right? And it dawned on me because I had a great patient experience this uh, this past this this year. We have a we're working with a, a patient who's severely injured by the COVID shots, right? The gene modification shots, and injured so much that she lost control of her um, of her lower extremity. She can't walk, um, and she also can't swallow. So they had to give her a feeding tube, an NG tube, to get calories into her. And so they put her on a formula to that basically gave her about 900 calories a day. So it's not a lot of calories. But the way they had prescribed the formula was that the drip for her through the NG tube was going to be 24 hours a day. So she's 24 hours a day getting calories. You know, her body doesn't get any metabolic time off to go into detoxification at the cell level, to even have a chance to get an autophagocytosis and heal her up. So on, on only 900 calories a day, she put on over 87 pounds in a year. Oh my gosh, that's a lot. Right, that blew me away. I was like, whoa, I didn't think that was possible, mm -hmm. right? So now you have to start explaining, well, why is this happening? You know, because this is clearly a recipe for disaster, right? We've got to turn this around. So uh, what we did was we said, okay, we're going to close that window down to eight hours of continuous feeding, right? And now we've even closed it down to, I think, two to four hours. So, you know, there's one feeding period every day while we're trying to solve this much bigger problem. The result that has been metabolically that her body has dropped about 60 pounds in, in this year so far which is fantastic for us, right? Takes mm -hmm. pressure off of her spine, takes pressure off of some of the places where she can feel pain and things like that. So it's an improvement. But what was the philosophy behind it? And this is what the audience, I think is good for the audience. The philosophy behind it was something we teach at the school, calorie responsibility. Mm -hmm. Some people call it calorie restriction. I don't like that because it seems like a negative and people have a tendency to not want to do things that are negative. So calorie responsibility, just be responsible with your calories, burn off what you consumed the day before. And how do you do that? You don't need to eat three meals a day. You don't need to be that cow grazing all day long because that's going to put on weight. You really need one window for eating and you really need one major meal. Now, if you're very active, very physically active, yes, your caloric needs are going to go up so you can eat more, but you still want to keep your food you're eating in a window. So here's the basic recommendation. Let me bring something on screen here so people can kind of see it. Maybe it'd be a little easier, right? Is when we have this calorie conversation, it is preposterous to me that they can set a general number for all people. That's, we're so, such bif different sizes, ages, metabolic, it's ridiculous. You have to personalize things. And, you know, so that's why we, a range makes more sense. Yeah. Right? And also the fact that a lot of these guidelines are made for men, really. Um, yes. And women are so different. We don't, yes. we cannot eat like men. We just can't, we can't work out like men, you know? So. No, you, and, and nor should you. Yeah. Right. This is this is the beauty of diversity. The beauty of diversity is variety. Right. What a great mm -hmm. thing. What we I think when we talk about nutrition, it's important to say these are ideas. These are concepts. And what you have to do with nutrition is explore those concepts to find out what works for you and what doesn't and what little tweaks you might need to make 
to make something work for you. So it's a very personalized approach. Now it can start from a very kind of, I think it can start from a principled place, but it can't start from a one size fits all cookie cutter place, mm. right? Like that's really the big deal here. So when we look at something like this, you know, one of the things we recommend at the school is the average adult is going to need really about 1200 to 1700 calories a day, max. I can tell you that if I get above 1200, um, it's pretty surprising. You know, like if, if I'm, if I'm uh, feeling sorry for myself or, you know, and, and need that little bit of extra sugar or something like that, sure. I probably will go over, you know, 1200 <laughs> that day. Right. I have a little treat. Oh yeah. You know, you know, did anybody see, you know, that kind of ridiculous stuff, but <laughs> You know, if, if, but for, for most part, no, you don't need to go over 1200. Like I'm a, I'm a regular size dude. I'm, I'm just under six feet, um, about, uh, feeling really good. I'm about one, uh, about 162 to 165, you know, mm -hmm. I like that. It's a great, good solid weight for me. It's about college weight, you know what I mean? And everything. Yeah. So, and I'm like damn near 30 years past college now. So, you know, you start getting into this and it's like, okay, well, how did I do that? Well, calorie responsibility. I don't go really above 1200. Now, if I'm on vacation or if I'm, it's a family affair or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Right. If you're celebrating, that's different. That's an indulgence, whatever. I'm talking about the staples of what you do. Yeah. So the staples of what I do is I'm about 1200 calories or less typically, maybe a little bit more, but I'm really, I'm nowhere close to 2000 a day, nowhere close, right? That's a diet for disease right yeah. there. Okay. It's too many calories for what I, what I need metabolically every day. I'm not in the forest putting out forest fires every day. You know what I'm saying? I'm sitting at a desk. I need to respect that. Yeah. And I yeah. think those 2000 calories are also going in hand with what people choose for calories. Because of obviously course. they've been always told the main part component of our plate is an animal part or by byproduct, right. and right. they are very calories rich, right? So if we want to have, if when we're looking at these calories, actually you're about you probably have an abundance of food, mm -hmm. but your food is mostly plant based, and we know plants have less calories, so right. you're looking at high nutrients abundance, but you know, you're removing those things that are high calories and over time become way too much, probably. Well, well, Chantal, I think you nailed it right there. The body isn't hungry for calories. The body, when we get that feeling of hunger, is hungry for nutrients. Mm. Now, some of those nutrients are carbohydrates or lipids or amino acids that the mitochondria of the cell can convert into energy. But the, to that conversion process, what we call a biotransformation of a carbohydrate into an energy molecule is going to require nutrients. It's going to require minerals. It's going to require vitamins, especially B-complex vitamins. It's mm -hmm. going to require these things so that the process of going from step one to step two and step two to step three and step three to step four all are dependent on nutrient availability. So if we just eat if we eat empty calories, you know, the sodas, right? And everything, the body's like, well, thanks for giving me one of the building blocks, but I don't have these other building blocks that I need. So I'm going to just store this until later. And then we have the creation of fat for by and large, right? Yeah. So when we look at, when we look at this couple of things here, right, is I think it's important for people when they're talking about nourishing, remember we said purify, nourish, 
move, and then rest, right? Mm -hmm. So these are the four things you want to do every day. Purify, nourish, move your body, and then rest your body. Simple, okay? When we're talking about nourishing, we have to first question, okay, why did they say 2,000 calories a day or 2,200 calories? Why are they saying that? They're saying that because it's based upon 19-year-old male models, you mm -hmm. know, a modeling by and large. That's where most of what is put out by the United States government on nutrition comes from, actually, it traces back to World War II. What did we need to do to keep a 19-year-old male soldier on the battlefield? That's mm -hmm. where most of these recommendations come from. Of course, that doesn't apply to women. And of course, it doesn't apply to people of advancing ages, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, are super seniors. It doesn't apply to growing children. Or There's all these special personalizable situations that they don't account for. And the only way that I've figured out how to handle those is to give people principles. Let's work from principles and not protocols, yeah. okay? Because protocols are cookie cutters. I don't like those but I do like principles. So if we say one of our principles is, hey, there's this for most people is the range, 1,200 mm -hmm. to 1,700. That puts you in a principle of one major meal and maybe one small snack a day. Good. Now, that's if that's what you're doing on a day in and day out basis at a specific time, because now we get into another principle, your body needs to not eat. Stop eating yourself to death start making sure you're burning off all of your calories from the previous day, right? Mm -hmm. That's where intermittent fasting comes in. And then when we start putting animal protein in its, in its good, you know, health, of course, we're talking about organic, free range, pasture raised, beautifully cared for animals, right? That's the, that's the pinnacle. But if you are going to eat animal protein, right, that we look at it by age, if you're up to age 30, you really only need it about three times a week if you're eating it at all. If you're going on a monthly basis, if you're, uh, we're looking at you from age 30 to 50, we look at you on a monthly basis. You really need it a couple times a month, right? Like I'm in this range right here. I actually eat a little bit too much meat, okay? Because I, I was vegan for a long time and that just did not work for my physiology. So now I eat a little bit of meat, but I still only eat, you know, meat, two, three times a week. It's still more than I want to, but I don't eat a lot of it. You know what I'm saying? It's like mm -hmm. you start finding out what works for your body. But then when you get over 50, you still have to question, do I need it at all? Mm -hmm. Every basic research is showing us that plant-based and even vegan is really the way to go because of the nutrient capability. And of course, when I say plant-based, I want everybody to understand, I'm talking organic. Mm -hmm. organic, biodynamic, permaculture, awesome. regenerative ag, high nutrient dense, no pesticide, beautiful, delicious food. Okay. Yeah. Not poison food. And I think so, when you say vegan, it's important also to talk about whole food because that is obviously the, the movement that is veganism and the agenda behind this movement as well that is pushing for a lot of lab, right. you know, lab produced meat. And I know some of them, right. you know, they have great PR and they sound amazing. Now they have, um, I think Kim Kardashian for Beyond Meat or one of them. I don't know. Oh, and really? You mean Kim who's going to, going to tell us all how to eat now? Oh, a socialite who has never <laughs> done anything, but is somehow a royalty in this country is now going to tell us what we need to do. to eat. Oh, and yes. clearly she doesn't have any financial interest. <laughs> In, in doing no, no. so she's, she's a, not making any money right <laughs> no no she said she works for them and she's a quality tester but i you yeah. know what i find hilarious yeah. is that this is a woman that had blood on her face 
This is okay. this is a woman that had blood on her face. This is a woman that that has implants in every place you can put them, right? And and this is a woman that can't stay in a relationship. And, and this this is the person you want me taking advice from. Get out of my face with the celebrity pushing of propaganda. This is nonsense, right? It oh my god, that'd be you know that oh god. Listen, I I know that they want the soy agenda to move forward you number one it promotes more gmos number two it promotes you know demasculinizing you know men especially and of course creating additional problems for women who are eating a lot of soy because you need to save the planet here's how you save the planet folks it's very simple plant stuff and stop throwing stuff in the ocean and we're done here it's not rocket science. I've actually published a peer-reviewed paper on this, where we've where we've calculated how many trees have to be planted um, to uh, combat uh, what is supposedly climate change. It's not climate change. It's actually deforestation is the problem. We've cut out too many trees, and we've cut down too many trees, and now we have no ability to really pull carbon out of the atmosphere. That's really what it comes down to. So rather than calling it um, deforestation, which would make us bad, let's call it climate change and blame the fossil fuel industry and things like that. Yeah, the fossil fuels, is there a better way? Of course there is. But mm -hmm. are they doing damage like they are claimed that they're, that they're being vilified? No, the real damage is done because we keep cutting down all of our old growth forests all around the world and because we keep polluting our oceans and disrupting the production of microalgae and food sources in the oceans. So it comes down to we are treating our planet like a trash can. And if we would just treat it like a beautiful planet that it is it, and essential to our life, that it, we our calculations show that everything would regenerate within a decade. Yeah, right. and also the mono monoculture doesn't help because now if your soils are depleted, right. they also don't hold on to carbon dioxide. Um, on top of that, add the fact that everything is uh, layered with uh, heavy metals, which prevents the plants from working the way they have to. So it's very, very complicated. But about the soy, I'd like to actually point out that I, I think one differentiation has to be made here is, of course, um, the push for GMO, big problem. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, that a... A reasonable amount of soy actually is quite beneficial for um, breast cancer prevention and for women. 100%. So, yeah. So it's more about the fact that they're pushing it in every single thing that they put out right. there, right? And that that's Excess. the issue. Right. The, the issue is the issue is it's the issue is what they're pushing is predominantly GMO. Hmm. The issue is, is that what they're pushing is ex excessive use of that food source. Yeah. And the issue is what they're doing has ramifications to the hormonal presentation in the body. Yeah. Particularly for men, but especially but also for women. Now that being said, like most things, in in a pure form, organic, plant based, right? Organic, non GMO sourced soy in small amounts is no problem for most mm. people unless they have an allergy to soy, mm. which some people do, and then any amount would be problematic. Yeah. But but what we what we're looking at here, and I, and I just wanted to finish this this one point as well, Chantal, yeah, sure, sure. was that I think it's wiser to look at your diet and the number because they want you to know a number, right? And that that can help people a little bit, I think. Mm. 
but they want you to know a number and they want you to say it's just calories it doesn't matter whether the calorie is a carbohydrate or a, you know or lipid or a protein it doesn't matter it's all just calories no this number is not really important 1200 1700 it's a way you can gauge it i think what's more important for people is understanding how much plant-based protein they want to set as a goal for a daily to get into their bodies and at different years and in different situations mm. this way we can start giving people okay what where do you fall right i fall into this range right here I'm so you I, right. So I want to be thinking for the most part about 30 to 40 grams of, uh, of plant-based protein, organic plant-based protein a day. Now I may not get there or I may find that if I do that too much, it just doesn't feel right to my body. So what do you do? Drop it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. If you are need a little bit more and you're feeling like, Hey, you know, things aren't healing up the way that I'm accustomed to. Maybe you do need a little bit more plant-based protein. And how can you get this? One of my favorite delivery systems for, for me and when I break my fast every day is a, a nutrient-dense smoothie, mm -hmm. you know, organic blueberries, a little bit of, you know, maybe organic either apple juice or pineapple juice, a little bit of other organic fruits, right? It's going to be, yeah, it's going to have a little bit of carbs to it, but you know what else it's going to have? It's going to have a bunch of minerals and a bunch of vitamins in there with it. And when I add in a little bit of, you know, vegan organic protein powder to it. Now I'm like, okay, I'm maybe I start with 12 to 15 grams. Well, I'm halfway home in yeah. one little drink. And then if, and then I added in a little bit more, there's a little bit more in the, in the fruits and things like that. But now I've set myself up. There's my snack. I'll have a little meal later in the day. And what you end up getting is your body gets everything that it needs because it doesn't need much, but what it needs, it needs. So I, I prefer to teach uh, patients this one. Chantel, I, I prefer to get them to know, okay, I want you to start reading your amount of protein you're eating. I want you to know what your protein number is. Because to me, when you know what your protein number is and you understand, hey, all I need to eat is one major meal a day and maybe a snack. I'm going to eat in this little window. You start taking complete control of your health just by that simple act. And when you do that, something phenomenal happens. Your body starts to find a new homeostasis that feels better. And you've now entered into freedom mm. because you can't have one without the other. If you really want freedom, you better be healthy in this day and age. And if you want to be healthy, guess what you get? You get freedom. You just don't need the white coats. You just don't need their shots. You just don't need their lies and their propaganda, their hospitals and all this other stuff. You just don't need them and good riddance. Okay, because they haven't done anything outside of emergency medicine, which they're phenomenal at. Mm -hmm. They haven't done anything that blows my mind the way that I've seen people heal using natural, organic, plant-based things that make sense. Getting people into a purify, nourish, move your body, rest your body lifestyle. It's pretty yeah. straightforward. Totally. And for people that don't really understand how to calculate uh, nutrients, micro macronutrients, do you have a, an app that you like to use or, you know, um, you, you can, you can certainly look uh, at an app most of, and you want to keep in mind what you find is typically very general. Mm. You know what I mean? Like this amount of beef, this amount of beef has this many, this much protein. It is. So there's, there's some basic understanding of it, but I think, what I like to do um, 
is get people into an understanding of what that looks like visually for their plate. Like we mm. need to translate that to something that's more um, easily understood. So like you had said earlier, we look at a plate, right? We look at a plate and the major portion percentage of that plate is usually animal protein, especially if you're in the United States, right? The only country in the world that does more animal protein than the United States is Luxembourg, right? Per capita. It's the only little small nation in Europe, in the European Union. So when we look at the plate and you go, okay, well, the vast majority of my plate is animal protein. Okay. That's the old way of thinking that you got conditioned to think was healthy. Well, certainly tastes good, right? I don't know too many people that don't like the taste of, of, of meat, you know what I mean? So it's like, oh, well, I can have, I'm supposed to have a 20 ounce porterhouse steak. Uh, no, you actually only need about four ounces. So when you have a plate, right? When you have a plate, you really want about 25%, a quarter of your plate maximum to be animal protein if you're eating animal protein. Okay. And that leaves 75% of your plate for plant-based foods. Mm. Now, the other thing we want to keep in mind is that the average plate size in the 1960s, uh, the average dinner plate size was, um, I think it was 11 or 12 inches. I, f I forget exactly, but it was a really modest plate, right? Mm -hmm. And plate sizes went up, not because, you know, there was some need for it, right? What we call that, you know, they give you those two sizes of plates and most plates, that smaller size, that was the dinner plate in the 60s and, and prior to it. Plates were much smaller. People ate less. With plates that were smaller, you have less calories on a plate. So people with smaller plate sizes would naturally just eat. Yes, yeah, I had a plate of food. I'm fine, right? Mm -hmm. I had a, I had 800 calories on that plate, 600 calories on that plate. I'm fine, right? Whatever you were eating. But now plate sizes, the average plate size is 15 to 16 inches. Yeah. And with that addition in diameter comes an addition in space for calories, right? And so people... And what, and what did they train us to do post-depression? Clean your plate. Eat everything on your plate because there are starving kids in Ethiopia. And all this ridiculous jargon that's out there, right? Because they want you to consume. This was all about consume, consume, consume. So when you understand that, you understand that if I do what my enemy wants me to do, I am putting myself into disease and I'm putting myself into slavery as a result. I'm, I'm not going to back off of that, mm -hmm. all right? If you want to enjoy the diet for disease, you are saying, please enslave me. Because at some point, you will be brought into the um, modern medicinal industrial complex. You will be beholden to doctors in white coats that are paid handsomely by the pharmaceutical industry. And you will become a guinea pig. And they don't care whether you live or they die. What they care is that they profit off of your slow erosion and your ultimate demise. They have proven that time and again. I'm not saying anything new. Mm. So when you understand that that's where you're heading, if, you're, if your dietary decisions are based upon your tongue more than how you like to feel throughout your body, then that's where you're heading. And that is slavery in this day and age. Yeah, you, I think. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Carry on. No, go. No, please. Well, I was just going to finish and say, if you really champion freedom and being free, you have to be healthy. 
You cannot have one without the other in this day. And what that means is you have to know what you are doing. Yeah, You have to educate yourself on what it means to be truly healthy. And I think that's something we want to share with you um, for the rest of the show, right? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, well, one of the things that I was going to mention is, uh, you know, when people, if people have never felt better, the way they feel, especially when maybe they put on pharmaceuticals and they tackle the symptoms, them can they can see this as feeling better. When we right. know that's not the case because feeling better is really feeling that you don't even need to take anything right. for any ailment because you don't have any. Or if you have a pain or an ache, you actually can understand your body and see where it comes from and uh, tackle it from there. Like for example, in the, lately, I've been feeling like my hamstring, um, not even my hamstring actually, well, my hamstring, but also my hip flexors been a little bit tight in the morning. And I actually, I'm uh, looking to book with a osteopath because I, I just know that I need to get aligned again. And, mm-hmm. you know, and of course, I if I talk to some people I know, they're like, oh, just take an Advil. <laughs> it's not about right, the pain. Right. I can handle the pain. But and no, it's not even pain. It's just discomfort, and which goes away after, you know, a yoga session. But it's knowing your body, like knowing exactly what you need and where it comes from. But also talking about, you know, these white coats, I, I you know, I, I, I think I've come to realize that a lot of doctors really do not want to do harm. They really are good people. They want to do mm-hmm. what they can. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, they have studied medicine in a, an institution that is heavily sponsored, if not fully sponsored by pharmaceutical right. companies, which in right. turn belong to we know who. So it's this uh the problem is that just they don't know better and the ones that do take them they take the time to actually educate themselves they and they see it they're really the the doctors that will allow their patients to get empowered and i say allow because a lot of times i've seen doctors that minimize the 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 knowledge that their patient have as if they didn't have the right to know things um i've seen this with cancer i've seen this with uh even my, you know, coaching patients or clients that want to get healthier and uh, we look at everything they do and what the reports are from the blood test and what I tell them versus what the doctors tell them. It's mm-hmm. really, really fascinating. And when they go back to ask questions from our sessions, they sometimes are shut down, which I find really interesting. So, of course, there are people that there are people that don't want to learn, and whether the doctors or not, in this case, obviously, doctors, they don't want to learn something new because they're comfortable. Right. But uh, a lot of them, they really don't know. Like it's sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and let's so let's let's talk about that with the audience for a second. They don't yeah. know because they're not taught to know. Yeah. Right. It's it is very clear that the National Academy of Sciences in the United States uh, does a survey every few years on the state of nutritional education in modern medical schools, and they send surveys out. And it has been shown and proven, and this is, you can find this on PubMed, that doctors on average get 19.6 hours of nutrition education in about a 6,000 hour program. Mm. That accounts to basically a weekend workshop that they get. They get a, basically a weekend workshop, and that's only in the schools that it, or do it, and less than 25% of schools even do it. Pharm- the, the pharmaceutical industry knew that their death blow to profits are healthy people. And what keeps people healthy? Nutrient-dense diets, free from pesticides, free from the 
biologic and um, toxic stressors that the body has to endure in the diets for disease. Yeah. So what do they support? They support diets for disease. Well, that's why there are McDonald's in hospitals, Not right? Enough. Because because what they're saying is their their mantra to people is and including doctors is food plays minimal to no role in a person's disease process or health or outcome that if a person is in a disease state it's because the body is doing something wrong well no if a person's in a disease state it's because the body is in survival mode the body is in survival mode because of severe nutrient deficiencies. I mm. know one thing about every person that has ever come to me to work on a disease. They are nutrient deficient. And most of the time, severely. You were talking about your, your uh, hamstring, right? I've been dealing with uh, I, I I've been dealing with vertigo for the last couple of weeks and and feeling very off and sudden intense fatigue, and I started going you know okay I don't know what this is, but I know something's wrong, so I said well when you don't know when in doubt, you know cleanse them out and I started doing some uh, some detoxing with uh, bentonite clay and mm. psyllium. And I started putting in some herbs, some powder arcos and uh, some artemisia, some things that are an natural antibiotics. In addition to a really, you know, my normal nutrient profile, my supplements, plus my organic based lifestyle. And I had to have an honest conversation with myself. I was eating too much sugar. I got into a habit of, of having a sweet, sweet, a sweet, a sweet, we're going through a lot of things and all that, and we all need some sweetness in our life, but I wasn't getting any sweetness in my life. So what did I turn to? I turned to foods. I mm. turned to a little sugar here, a little taste there. And normally I might have that once or twice a month, but it was now happening four or five times a week. Mm. And what does sugar do? It feeds infections. So mm. something cool just happened. Four days into taking powder Arco, I started feeling things finally opening up. And I was like, oh, there it was. I had an infection, an inner ear infection that was likely um, that was likely fungal in nature. And now all I, and what was I doing a few months, a few weeks ago? I was in the pool. I was in the, a gross pool with a bunch of people learning how to scuba dive for hours and hours and hours, right? And going, so yes, hello, you think that might have been the source of, yeah, and especially if I'm <laughs> taking in a lot of sugar and I'm weakening. You see, folks, that's how all this works, mm. right? I wasn't feeling good, so I eat sugar. I start eating sugar, and now I feed infections in my body and discoordinate my immune response. So now the infections grow. And then depending upon where the infection is, I start feeling bad because one of the things funguses do is they release mycotoxins and they cro those cross the blood-brain barrier and can leave you very discombobulated, a lot of brain fog, and also can lead to sudden drops of energy, right? Mm -hmm. So then you start taking some herbs, organic, that match the ability to kill those infections. You correct your diet a little bit. Okay, done with the sugar, right? We're taking sugar breaks right now. You get back into the staples of your existence and you get into the simplicity of purify, nourish, move your body and rest. Yeah. You do those things and something amazing happens. Your body, which is 
designed to seek homeostasis, which is designed to heal itself. Heals itself. Mm -hmm. Did I need any medications, any, any pharmaceuticals? No. Did I need any advanced, you know, clinical, you know, do I need an MRI to check out what's... No. What I need to do is explore the most likely things first. And if that doesn't work, then we can escalate. But what happens is we flip-flop that too much. And because there's no understanding of the enormous role, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show your audience something in one second, the enormous role that nutrition plays in all this, because we don't explore that first, what happens is people start putting more pharmaceuticals and go through more interventions that ultimately do more damage than they do good. Yeah. And what they ultimately come back to in most cases is, well, it didn't really work. The best I got was stable or, you know, but now I got to be on this medication the rest of my life. Okay. If I got to be on something the rest of my life, I'd rather it be something delicious. So that's going to be organic plant-based food. That's what I'm going to be on the rest of my life. I'd rather it be something that I know my body really needs and doesn't have an adverse side, you know, profile with it, adverse event profile with it. New multivitamin, I don't know, some chlorella, right? I'd rather be on, you're going to be on something the rest of your life. Why not be on something that actually helps your body produce energy, helps you feel good. And when combined with the appropriate lifestyle that you've personalized that works for you, makes you feel good about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's possible too. And that's what really what we've been proposing. So let me show, let me share this with you. This still blows my mind. We we unearthed this in 2020, Chantel. It still blows my mind that we're 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 not talking about this. So one of the things that the CDC does in the United States is they do uh, what are called NHANES nutritional analysis studies um, every so many years. So this was as of 2016. This one, right? So this is um, uh, there were several that we looked at, but the the last one we found was 2016. Now keep in mind it's just gotten worse and worse and worse with everyone, right? It's just yeah. the trend is clearly downward and off a cliff because what they're assessing is how, how many Americans are deficient in the bare minimum of these major nutrients for immune function and just general cell health, vitamin A, C, D, E, and zinc. And look what they're doing. These are minimal amounts that they're saying. How many Americans aren't getting these minimal amounts yeah. of these nutrients. Remember, your body isn't hungry for calories. It's hungry for nutrients, right? So that's why when people eat at fast food, they after they've had a really big high calorie meal, they're still hungry. You're still hungry because your body's like, yeah, you put all this stuff in me, but it was really empty. It was empty calories. I need, I'm looking for nutrients, not calories. So now, um, when we look at this, like, let's take it, for example, vitamin A. Vitamin A, the government says you need um, 2,300 to 3,000 IUs a day. We say at the Energetic Health Institute, uh, it's probably closer to about 100 to 150,000 IUs, but the form matters. We don't want the activated form retinol. We want beta carotene, mm. right? So, for example, if you drink a glass of carrot juice, organic carrot juice a day, you're going to get close to about 100,000 IUs, right? So it's yeah. easy to get in your food. But yeah. we need way more. This is the bare minimum to keep a soldier on the battlefield. That's what this is. 
Well, what they found was that the average adult was getting 2130 in terms of eye use uh, of vitamin A. That's 2130. That's not even in their range. It's below their range. Yeah. But what they, and what they found through their surveys was, and some of these are blood draws that they're testing, 35 to 45% of Americans as of 2016 were deficient in vitamin A. 25, excuse me, 35 to 45%. That means in this population of 35 to 45% of Americans, they are not replicating immune cells with any effective speed to ward off disease. That's what vitamin A does from immunological perspective. Mm. Vitamin C, vitamin C, they said, all you need is 75 to 200 milligrams. We say at the school, you need 3,000 to 5,000 milligrams a day. This is a joke, right? <laughs> this is a joke amount right here. Well, even with this joke amount, still yeah. 37 to 46% of Americans were deficient. Even with all the OJ they drink, huh? Even with all that OJ, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. All these wonderful, wonderful citrus fruits. You know, we, we look at vitamin E. Uh, all you need is 22 to 22 to 200 international units. Um, adults were only getting 13. So that means 64 to eight, 60 to 84 percent of Americans deficient in vitamin E. Zinc. You don't. It's it's you don't need much, but you need what what you need. Americans aren't even getting enough really for their 11 to 15 percent of Americans deficient in zinc. Zinc activates the storage form of vitamin A, beta carotene, it activates it so that the body can use it. You know, when you look at this, what you're, the story that you're getting is Americans, like, like I said, you know, one thing about every person is a doctor that comes into your office. They are severely nutrient deficient. This confirms yeah. it. Well, then we get into COVID, right? And yeah. What do we learn about COVID? COVID, people who have 50 nanograms per deciliter of Vitamin D in their bloodstream, 50, that's all you need, mm -hmm. have a 99.9% .9 recovery rate, regardless of age, regardless of high risk factors, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of biological sex, regardless of everything. It's a 99.9% .9 recovery rate, only according to study, according to the study I'm citing, which had over 270,000 people in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 2.7% of those needed hospitalization. Only 2.7% even needed to go to a hospital. So look at why, why, so now what happens when SARS-CoV-2 gets unleashed? Yes, it's a bioweapon. It gets unleashed. What happens when it gets unleashed? Well, because 65 to 95% of Americans are deficient in vitamin D, they have no ability to withstand the assault upon yeah. them. And so what you're left with is an understanding that because Americans are so severely deficient in nutrients, so severely overfed with empty calories and have so much extra weight that creates all these other sequelae, what you're left with is the perfect conditions for a firestorm in terms of infectious disease. And that's exactly what we saw yeah. happen in this country. And what would have stopped it? Eating healthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
I mean, to yeah. be honest, I see vitamin D deficiency even in Portugal. It's amazing to see a country where, you know, I, I in the US, in the UK, I was kind of used to it because we never saw really right. the sun. But right, here, right, right. <laughs> like, how can you be deficient? And they really don't spend enough time outside as even in summer and and you know your body just needs it you can get it of course you can get it for, from some food but for example people that are fully plant-based like me it's a little harder so i supplement mm -hmm. just to be sure you know um right. and talking about supplementation actually there are a lot of people that really don't trust the supplements industry i don't blame them because there is very little regulation in the u.s it's much better in europe um mm -hmm. what's your take mm -hmm. on that how do people know what to choose if they want to supplement and need to supplement it's a very fair feeling for people to have right um if you're going to the walmarts of the world you know to get your supplements um even the gncs and places like that you're really not getting medicinal medicinal grade and high quality. I mean, you can put any stamp of certification on there that you want, but you know, I think what you're concerned about is the ability to have a product independently tested for purity. And so what it does for me is it brings me into, I, I trust companies, mm. you know, and I think for a consumer, it, it demands that you either go with companies of someone you trust like me, which is fair, but I don't recommend it. I recommend that you do your own work. And one of the things we teach in our holistic nutrition program at the school is um, we teach people how to call a company and, and vet them, you know, find out, are they, because you'll find something very interesting. Companies that are doing a really definitive and thorough job in making sure the products that they produce are pure, clean, potent, you know, pure and potent. I'm going to, I'm going to come up with some good one-liners today, pure and potent products, right? <laughs> yeah. Say that 18 times fast. They brag about it. When you call them, they are like, Oh my God, thank you for calling here. Let me show you on the, our website. We, you know, we just did this study here. We're going to send you this, you know, this was just, you know, you start getting that. Like that was one of the things that really impressed me. And I'm not, I'm not endorsing anyone, but um, I just want to give an example here. That's something that really impressed me about Thorne. You know, when I first got into um, nutrients and, and started getting into supplementation, I'm a big supplementer. I don't, I'm not bashful about it. I'm like, I'm not somebody that has this in my head that I can get everything I need from my, my foods alone in this day and age. I can't, you know, especially water soluble vitamins, B complex and vitamin C. I can't get the amounts I need from food alone, but while fat soluble, I can, a lot of minerals, I can, but also, there are certain things like glutathione in this day and age. Maybe I want to have a little bit extra going in, right? You know, mm -hmm. so it, don't be, don't, don't look at, I don't think anybody should look at taking supplements with shame. I think you should look at it as, hey, I'm really informed. And I really understand that it's the combination of these things that nourish my body. It's the combination of a organic plant-based foundation with really high quality, potent and pure supplements that is going to create this wonderful energy bubble around me that allows me to be like, I don't care if I'm around somebody that's gotten the shots. They don't, they're not going to affect me. My immune system will kick anything that they're putting out, but I don't care if I'm around. I, I didn't get COVID forever. 
I mean, I still have to confirm that I even got it, but I didn't get, I was around COVID people all the time. I never got COVID. Why? Because I do take in, you know, endocannabinoids. I do take, it's do saunas. I do have, take vitamin D every day. And, and I do put in all these nutrients to help my body produce energy. And I do have this reservoir of nutrients available so that if I do come in contact with an, a virus or a microorganism, when it comes into my body, my body is its worst nightmare, mm. right? So, you know, that's, that's really what it comes down to here is we want to make sure that people have a basic, simple understanding of, of what it means to be he eat healthy. And I, we didn't really get to it. Are we running out of time? No, right go now? ahead. No, no, no go okay. Because I would love to share this. And this is something, by the way, uh, and we're really, we're really proud of this at, at the school. You can go to energetic health, excuse me, energetichealthinstitute.org. I'll remember my own school, right? <laughs> energetichealthinstitute.org. I had a senior moment right there, folks. Um, and that tells me I need more quercetin. But I, I, if you go to energetichealthinstitute.org, you can sign all we need is your name, email, and we'll give you the art of eating healthy where you have these 16 um, principles, right? They're not, it's not a protocol, it's principles so that you can personalize your diet and know confidently you're eating healthy. Because I get people all the time, Chantal, they're like, hey, I'm, but I eat healthy. And then you start, okay, well, what do you eat? Well, I, when I go to McDonald's, I only order the chicken. Okay, that's not healthy. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't think you know what eating healthy is and it's not your fault. You haven't been taught that because of the maximum sophisticated confusion, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Do you have, yeah. If you have the yeah. best show. Yeah. Yeah. Let me pull it up. Let me, let me pull up. So I'll, I'll give everybody a synopsis and maybe you want to play along with me. Let's, let's go down and say, see what our score is. We're going to have, we're going to ask, you know, basically 16 questions and we're going to see whichever ones we say yes to, we'll give ourselves a point. Okay. okay. And then we'll okay. see what our number is. I think the goal for me, Chantel, is to always be above 12. Mm. So I want to have 12 or more makes me feel like, yeah, I'm doing a pretty good job of eating healthy. We're not talking about absolutes. If you, if you're a 15 out of 16, you suck. No, that's not what this <laughs> is about. Okay. I think 12 and up is a good goal. All right. Mm. So let, let's go in and do this and me and you will keep score. And if you're listening, keep score with us. Okay. You ready? Yeah. So does your meal provide all the nutrients for mitochondrial energy production? Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, but that's because I take a multivitamin. If I didn't take that multivitamin, I wouldn't be able to say yes. All right. Mm -hmm. Because I wouldn't be getting enough of the B complex vitamins. All right. So, so give yourself, give yourself a one if you're taking a multivitamin. Number two. And we'll talk about, we can talk about multivitamins too. That's a whole show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> Number two, is your meal made of organic source foods for energetic nutrient density? So do you, do you eat organic? Yes. I'm going to put half a point because sometimes I can't. Most things we eat are from our garden now. So that's organic okay. for sure. Other things we try and buy organic, sometimes we can't find them. So I'm going to put half just to be. Uh, just a half point. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a snob. I'm going to say yes. The only time I don't eat organic is when I go out um, to eat dinner and that's usually once or twice a month, but that those are indulgences and we account for indulgences. You better have some indulgences because getting through life is hard enough trying to be pious. Okay. <laughs> don't try to be pious. Just be, use, look at food as staples. Like what is the majority of your diet? Like, 
and then give yourself the freedom to have some indulgences and enjoy life. One of the life's enjoyments is the enjoyment of food, right? And it doesn't always have to be healthy. If 99, 99% of your diet is healthy, you can have 1% of indulgences or whatever, right? Yeah, actually, so now, funny enough, you said that in um, in some of the guidelines for Europe, especially like France, I think had that where they actually advise highly organic and um, plants and enjoy your food. Enjoy your food. It's enjoy, like an experience. Enjoy it. Right. It's not a punishment. I'm eating this carrot. I'll You know, it's not a punishment. <laughs> enjoy it, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So number three. So now you're at one, one and a half points. I'm yeah. at two points. Okay. So now question three, is your meal free of any known delayed food allergens? So are you keeping delayed food allergens out of your diet? Um, yeah, I don't think I'm having anything I'm personally allergic to uh, from right. the last time I checked. So, yeah. So, to, so give yourself a point. Now, if you don't know, if you're playing along listening and you don't know what your allergens are, then you can't give yourself a point. So the, one mm -hmm. of the things that's really important if you're going to be free and be healthy, right? Remember, you can't have one without the other is to know which foods your immune system likes and which foods your immune system doesn't like. Yeah, and, and I love that about your teaching practice because um, we always talk about at the school how even kale, which is healthy, could be a poison for somebody. It could be, right? Yeah. Don't, don't guess when you can know. Yeah. You know, it's simple, right? And then we get into, is your meal at least 60% alkalizing? Now, this is a nuanced topic. I'm going to come back to this and we're going to pull mm. up that chart for everybody and we're going to show it. So we'll come back to this. So just say, I'm going to, let's keep it simple. Are you eating something green every day? Yeah. Right? Yeah, I am too. So that's a point, right? Remember our goal is 12 or more, right? Not, we don't, we're not trying to create little perfect robots around here. We just want to mm -hmm. say, Hey, give yourself an idea of what you could call and consider eating healthy. If somebody argued with me, Chantal, that, um, I got, 10 out of 12, I mean, 10 out of 16, but um, like, for example, but I'm not eating anything organic. I'd be like, okay, well, that's kind of a big deal. That's why we need the first four, <laughs> you know, that's mm -hmm. why it was the second question. So I'd say, once you switch over to eating organic, then you can say you're eating healthy. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that, that would be my advice to them. It's impossible for me to tell somebody they're eating healthy when they're not eating organically. Yeah. Right? That would yeah. be the one little caveat in there. Okay. I think that uh, one goes in hand with the alkaline, which you're going to explain after. Right. So we'll, we'll say number five, does your meal have at least one green food? Yeah. So give you, we'll say two points there. We'll give ourselves another point there. Mm. If you're eating plant-based, that means you're getting a lot of antioxidants. So are yeah. you getting antioxidants in your diet? Yes. So that's yeah. six. Does your meal have less than eight grams of refined sugar? So yeah. for those of you, that's two teaspoons, two small little spoons of sugar. So yeah, mine does too. So great. And does your meal include something naturally sweet? Yesterday yeah. I had a mango. Oh, so good, right? There you go. That's totally cool. There's your sweet. Yeah. Um, are there eight to 12 grams of fiber in your meal? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So now fiber is going to help you poop and yeah. fiber is going to be converted by bifidobacterium in your digestive tract, Dr. Sabine Hagison's work, right? Mm -hmm. Into butyrate, which then converts into GABA, which then makes you feel nice yeah. and chill. Yeah. Right. So fiber has this huge role in actually your mental health. Okay. How cool is that? And it helps you purify as mm -hmm. well. Um, let's see here. 
Uh, does your meal include a raw fruit or vegetable? Yeah. Yeah, plenty, yeah. Right. Want to make sure we get some of those natural enzymes in. Is your meal prepared using healthy preparation methods? Meaning, are Yeah. you making sure you're not using a microwave or you're not overcooking your food? Yeah. Yeah. Does your meal include, if you eat meat, does your meal include environmentally safe fishes and meats? If you eat them, if you don't eat them, give yourself a point. Why not? Right. So, <laughs> so, Good. so, 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 yeah. So right now, so far I'm 12 for 12. Now I'm going to, I'm going to be transparent with your audience, Chantel. I did this same test about um, three, four weeks ago. Okay. With on another show, I did this same test. I only scored a 10 out of, uh, of 16. And that kind of let me know, Hey doc, you're not eating healthy. You're not walking your talk time to get it going again. But now so far I'm 12 for 12. This is great. All right. I'm feeling, and, and I'm feeling better too. Whoa. Are you kidding me? That's how it works. Yeah. That's how it works. So number 13, uh, is your meal prepared using environmentally safe cookware? Yeah. Always cast Yeah. iron, earthenware, you know, nickel free, stainless steel, great stuff. Um, 14, Are your friends and family involved in the preparation and clean up, especially moms, the clean up of the meal? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Me too. I've been, I pretty much cook for my son. He helps out with the cleanup, but that's something. So I'm, I'm not going to give myself a point. That's an area of improvement, right? But I have a question here. I actually do Yeah. not like people in my kitchen. <laughs> Well, if, Is that a if point? not liking, if not liking people in your kitchen <laughs> makes you feel better. yeah. Okay. then give yourself a point <laughs> okay, because then. that means you're, you're in the environment you want to be in. But most folks like having some music playing <laughs> and some people helping out, even if it's just clean up, right? Do you not like people even cleaning up no, after? I like people chatting to me if they want to chat, but I, I like to do everything myself in the kitchen. Well, I would, I would say that if they're chatting with you and that's how you like it, that would be they're involved in the preparation, All right, then. right? Yeah. Cause I know, I know some, wonderful chefs out there some home chefs who are like get upset when they're in the kitchen just cooking by themselves right Oh, no. it's like you know it's like while while everybody's out in another room like not paying them any attention you know it's like no go in and talk to them at the very least you know ask if there's anything you can do so anyway Mm -hmm. give yourself a point Okay. all right last two is the beverage you're drinking warm and eight ounces or less we don't want to drink cold beverages with our meals we want herbal teas Or nothing at all, or just a little sip of water, but you don't need a lot. You don't want a lot. So Yeah. yeah, Yeah. yeah. Right. I eat when I eat and I drink when I drink. Yeah. And last one, are you being calorie responsible? Can you burn off all the calories that you had in that meal within the next 24 hours? We say in the same day, but really it should read within 24 hours, Yeah. you know? Yeah. I don't eat a lot. I'm, you know, so, so now I've, would say I'm 15 out of 16. Now. I was 10 out of 16 a couple weeks ago. Now I'm 15 out of 16. What did you score? 16. 16. All right. Well, well, <laughs> 15.5 Chantel, Actually, because yes, fifteen yeah, point because five. there was a half point, right? So, Yeah, but well, still you're right. that's I give myself up one and a half for the kitchen. right. Right. <laughs> okay. She's like, I gave myself a bonus half point. Sure. Why not? But now what you now what we've done is we've said now we have an idea rather than these numbers and all these protocols and these cookie cutter things. Now what we're saying is here are some principles that you can use to personalize the, all what your 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 
approach to eating healthy, right? Because most people by default are taught the diet for disease. Yeah. Right. I'm going to eat way too much. It's going to be empty calories. There's going to be GMOs in it. It's going to be pesticide residue. It's going to be mineral and vitamin and nutrient deficient. And it's going to be filled with things that are likely allergens for people. I've tested thousands of people for delayed food allergens. I've had a grand total of, I think, four or five patients who had no discernible food allergens. Now, it's not an accident. Their diets were organic and pristine, mm. right? They just wanted to test to see if they had anything, right? They did. They, you know, they were just checking to see they didn't really have anything going on. It's not an accident that most people are allergic to one, at least one of the following dairy, eggs, gluten, wheat, you know, and all the other. And then the last one, which a lot of people don't know about yeast. Mm. and soy so is in there too right isn't it a big allergen so, as well? soy is a big one but i haven't actually seen it be nearly as um doesn't show up nearly as frequently hmm. as as all those other four it still okay. will show up but it just doesn't show up as much as anyone claims that it really is hmm. so when we look at this you say let's take a pizza right what do you have in a pizza wheat Cheese. typically wheat, wheat yeah dairy so wheat gluten dairy yeast it's going to rise uh, yeah right and no eggs so you got three out of four mm. well now what about a breakfast sandwich the same really what do you get you get all four with a breakfast sandwich yeah so now what about the person who eats a breakfast sandwich from one of the fast food chains and then goes and has pizza later in the week or later see the reason we call it delayed food allergies everyone is for this reason it's delayed in that you eat a food on a Tuesday, your body, your immune system won't start reacting to it, that food until a Thursday. Hmm. So how would you know that something you ate on Tuesday was making you feel bad? Most people wouldn't. That's why you have to test for it. And then you take those foods out that your body, your immune system doesn't like. And then after about, um, usually it's about within about two to three weeks, people start feeling that after they discontinue, you start to feel what you're supposed to feel like especially if what you've put in in place of those um, those food allergens are actually nutrient-dense things that your body likes. You start yeah. going, wow, I, this, I didn't know I could feel like this. This is how I'm supposed to feel. Yeah, that is how you're supposed to feel. Now you have a choice in front of you. You are now moving in the direction of health, which means you're moving in the direction of freedom. The question becomes, do you want to continue to feel that way? Or do you want to go back to the old way? Because no one's saying you can never have a slice of pizza again, even if you're allergic to it. What we are saying is that your health is your responsibility. So how frequently you eat it is up to you. And if you eat it in a indulgent way where you're having it once in a while here and there, you'll probably find that it's not going to be too big of a deal. Yeah. Especially. If, if what you're doing with your staples is really, really good and healthy. But you'll probably also find that if you start reintroducing it to your diet on a regular basis, that pizza, that breakfast sandwich with all those allergens in it that you, well, you're going to probably start feeling like crap again, right? And the question becomes, how do you want to feel? I like feeling good. So that makes it an easy decision for me to, to say, for me, like Chantel, I can't eat eggs. I'm allergic to eggs. I'm allergic to yeast. 
I do fine actually with gluten, but and, and I'm and I'm allergic to dairy. So the only of those four that I actually can deal with on a decent basis is organic wheat, you know, especially heirloom wheat, you know, I do fine with it. But if I put an egg, if I have some kind of bread with like yeast in it, or if I have any dairy, oh, dairy will tear me a new one, right? And so I have to make a decision. Do I like the way I feel when I eat those foods? No. So what, what's the decision I make? I don't even indulge in those foods anymore. Mm. You know, I used to, but you get to a point where you're like, why am I doing this? You know, they, it always hurts. You know, it's just a little taste I'm getting. I enjoy all these other plant-based foods now that are, my mouth waters for broccolini, mm. right? So it's like, why? There's all these other things to enjoy. I just didn't know that they existed years ago. But now that I do, why would I still choose to hurt myself? Yeah. Right? I mean, I have to tell you a story. I, I cooked for 25 people this weekend. Uh, mm -hmm. So I started cooking on Thursday, which is why I missed our masterclass. <laughs> Um, okay. and, um, I made amazing salads, but they were very different to the ones I have every day because I am literally in summer, I do a high raw diet because I just feel like it. My body needs it. So mm -hmm. I, I love, I haven't quite pizza, you know, I'm quite fired. Like I have a lot of acne in my yeah, digestive yeah. system. Me so too. I'm like, totally can't do mm -hmm. raw in the summer. Um, and, uh, I didn't have my usual salad, which is. I mean, I started craving it like crazy yesterday. I was just mm -hmm. like, okay, I, mm -hmm. I, we have to eat the leftovers because I don't want to throw food away. And I get, I gifted some to our neighbors and because I wait, I cooked way too much Italian style, but I really needed <laughs> <laughs> my, my, like my staple salad. I craved it. I, and my husband was like, how can you crave? I mean, it's the same ingredient. I'm like, it is the same ingredient, but it's not in the same order and it's not the same dressing. Mm -hmm. And I just, I crave it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're so weird. Um, because mm -hmm. I just love, I mean, vegetables make me happy. You know, I just need them. I need to have them. And the way that I have them, it's just crazy, pathological a little bit. And so it's like, you know, craving avocado. I just crave avocados. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. It feels good. It's like, you know, what we're when we're craving something what we're the sense of craving is a release of dopamine we all know this by now right that we're mm. our body is we, we are addicted to this so the question becomes really what are you addicted to are you addicted to taste or are you addicted to feeling yeah to the right? feeling totally i'm a i right i used to be addicted to taste right i used to be addicted to you know you see that commercial on tv and it's like Ooh-wee, that pizza, when they pull that slice away and that gooey <laughs> yeah. cheese, it's just like, gimme, gimme, gimme. You know, you just get into that mode, right? It's like, yeah, you know. But I, I had to have an honest conversation with myself that I was addicted to taste. Mm -hmm. And then you start, but then you start putting organic foods into your diet. And one of the things that I learned was that I didn't like, I, I used to not eat any fruits and vegetables. When I was a kid, I hated them, Right. I, I didn't understand at the time. I didn't like them because what I was really tasting was pesticide residue. Pesticide residue is very bitter. Mm. And so I was like, I would eat these veggies. I'm like, God, this broccoli tastes terrible, you know? Um, and it was just bitter to me. So I thought that's what broccoli was, you know? So I would just, I was a meat, potato, cheese, you know, American, you know, like I was an American. And 
I still am an American, but now I'm an American who feels good, you know? And what I had to have an honest conversation with myself about was, am I really going to allow taste to dictate my choices so much that the tastes that I'm craving make me feel bad long-term? That doesn't make logical sense. I'm a pretty logical person. And so once I had that, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm eating for taste instead of eating for feeling. And what you find out when you start transitioning your diet from the diet for disease into, you know, this eating healthy approach where it's organic, plant-based, you start finding out that, wow, when the pesticides aren't on the food, they actually, those fruits and vegetables taste amazing, right? Mm. I, wow. When they're grown in nutrient-rich soil, wow, it's actually the minerals from the soil that get taken in through the roots, that give the the fruit and the vegetables their flavors, the things that taste better, they taste better because there's more minerals uh, available in them. And I mean, and with more minerals comes more vitamins in terms of the developmental process of the fruit or the veggie, you know, and you start learning that stuff and it's like, oh my God, so when, if I just get higher quality fruits and vegetables, whether I grow them, whether I purchase them, whatever, I'm gonna enjoy my food. My food can be medicinal, and delicious. Yeah. Whoa, what a crazy concept. I can eat myself healthy instead of eating myself into disease. Whoa, okay. So what do I have to do to do that? Oh, I have to make a few sacrifices because they're not funded well. I have uh, with our own tax dollars. I have to go and pay a little extra more. No problem. Um, I have to go to special stores and, and farmer's markets. No problem. I have to learn how to grow my own food no problem, right? I have to learn how to do things that actually in the process of doing them help make the world a better place mm. and help me feel better as well. And then you start finding something that occurs. I now am not so grumpy all the time. I'm now not so um, easily frustrated and aggravated by little things anymore. Oh, it was the pesticide residue. Oh, it was the absence of nutrients that was having an impact on my emotional state. You got it. And what shifts for you is now your dopamine release, instead of it being that commercial and the taste that you remember from that commercial, because you also end up turning off your TV at a certain point, because you realize that's where most of the propaganda is coming from. <laughs> if, and what happens for you at that moment is you realize, I don't have to be addicted to taste i can be addicted to how i feel yeah and now i've hooked up that when i eat that broccolini that's organic we sauteed it in this beautiful um garlic uh it's we had this incredible garlic last week um i forget the exact name of it it's like butter chestnut or some or chestnut garlic or something like that but it's a special kind of garlic that's wonderful for roasting we roasted the garlic the garlic in terms of texture, Chantal, was so amazing that it tasted like there was cheese mm. in there. The, the, it had the texture of cheese in there in a roasted You format. roasted the whole, the whole, the whole bunch. thing. Right? Oh my gosh, right? I love it. Yeah, it is like butter. You know? It's true. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it's like, so we have, we have, you know, we saute some garlic, season it up, put some Yoko's vegan butter in there, put the garlic, roasted garlic in there, some sauteed a few onions as well with it and everything. And now you have this incredible, huge thing that takes up 75% of your plate if you're eating meat, right? 
that is just filled with phytonutrients and sulforaphanes and uh which is very anti-cancer and fiber and chlorophyll and all and 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 what's so incredible about it is it's delicious too and you're like why would anyone not want to eat this oh i don't know how you can eat that try it oh that's pretty good yes get out of your preconceived ideas get out of your allegiance and your addiction to taste and know that when you move over to a eating healthy lifestyle organic plant-based mitochondrial no food allergens recent something green every day all the things we just covered when you do that what you are saying is no to the diet for disease yes to having an energetic healthy experience in your life and yes to all of the benefits that come with it not the least of which is your emotional state and how you feel that you through your diet get to create a foundation for health of course but also for happiness mm. and to me especially in this day and age people are so desperately in need of health of happiness i look at people today shantel and i'm like i can look at your food and what you're eating your plate and i can tell you how you're going to feel in about 2 hours and how long that's going to stay in your body based upon how your liver and your kidneys detoxify things and how frequently you're pooping how frequently you're purifying i can tell you what moods are likely to come out of you for the next several days especially if that's the way you eat all the time and if that's every day then i know what i'm getting as a person i'm getting mm. a, i'm getting a person who's easily frustrated i'm getting a person who is prone to um anger and depression i'm getting a person if their liver is impacted i'm getting a person who's prone to anxiety if there isn't a lot of fiber in their diet i'm getting a a person who's prone to letting these emotions lead them into bad additional decisions with their life and then their life goes off kilter and they're stressed out and what do we do when we're stressed out i just did it i need some sugar and where do we go to candies and sweets and uh and you know ice creams and the things that we know aren't good for us but i don't feel good anyway so i might as well put it in and then that exacerbates it and now we have this just ridiculous cycle. cycle that we got to break how do we break it by understanding that when you eat healthy you're also not sacrificing that wonderful thing we call flavor mm -hmm. you're actually getting more of it foods are more delicious they taste better and you have now the added bonus long term yeah they make you feel better so you can eat for feeling Now, I'm running out of time myself. I got to run into it another one. Can we come back at maybe another future time and talk about the net effect of pH so people yeah. can really understand alkalizing because I, I I it's a lot to explain absolute models versus relativistic models in a way that people can understand and I really would like to give that topic. Yeah, let's do a part two. Let's do a part two and we can also talk about um multivitamins then. Yeah, that would be great to talk about both those. We can cover both of those in a part two for sure Perfect. for your audience. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. H. As Thanks always, I love it. Me. And uh, we never should do an hour. We should always like pack two. <laughs> yeah, plan on plan on two. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk for a little bit. I, you know, it's so much fun, and I really appreciate everything that you're doing with your show. And you know, I, 
I, it's so wonderful to have people like you out there in the world who are walking their talk, living their truth, and sharing what you have found to be so impactful for you in such a loving and graceful way, you know, with the world. So I just, I love what you're doing and, uh, and it's just such an honor and a pleasure to be on the show with you. Oh, thank you. And absolutely. Likewise. Thank you for everything. I mean, you, you are my, you know, teacher as well, not just uh, one of the guests on, on my show. You actually are my lecturer and guidance. So I appreciate everything you do for us too, for me. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, that's, that's how we win, right? Is by <laughs> just making sure we spread love all yeah. over the world and in the many ways and the many varieties that it looks, but this is, this is what, this makes me feel good. Like these, these type of shows, like the, talking about the COVID numbers and the, and the grand jury stuff, it's important, but it's like, you know, the real solution is within. Yeah. The real solution is in, in the power we all possess to make choices for ourselves. And those choices are either going to lead us into health and happiness or they're going to lead us into disease and despair, you know? And I think when those are the two options, the choice is obvious. Yeah. I want to be healthy and happy, you yeah. know? So what do I need to do to do that? I need to listen to people like Chantal and her wonderful guests that she brings <laughs> on and things like that. If I do that, I'm going to probably be all right. You know, good <laughs> Thank feeling. You. brilliant. All right. I'll let you go and you'll be back for part two. Amen. All right. Thank cool. you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Dr. H, for being such an amazing resource for us all. And thank you for being here and giving your time. We always go over time. It is so interesting that I love it. Thank you, everyone, for staying on for this episode. I'm sure you probably learned a lot. So next week, we'll, back, we'll be back for part two. I'm really excited about that. And I cannot wait for you to really grasp this concept that um, Dr. Ely is talking about. So the Sweet 16 and it's so powerful and uh, we are going to put all the information in the show notes so you can reach out to EHI, the Energetic Health Institute and get yourself a copy of these concepts and if you want to just try a masterclass you're welcome to we always welcome prospective students or anybody that is curious about EHI and the teaching concepts we have so please feel free to reach out if you have any questions and of course like, share, review let us grow with you see you next week, bye